2: All
0: right, welcome in, everybody. It's the Important Nonsense Podcast. I am your host, Steve Bonham. I am joined today by two individuals. First and foremost, Mr. Neil Smith. Neil, how are we doing this evening?
1: Hey, hey, hey. Doing great. About as good as you're going to do, given the circumstances these days. And uh, can't wait to get everybody here on the therapy couch for the, uh, the wrap-up of the preseason. I cannot believe how quickly. This has been one of the fastest preseasons Probably because there have been no games.
0: <laughs> just zooming through. Uh, completely accurate. We are also joined by Mr. Jack Cavanaugh, Javanaugh87 himself. Jack, how you doing today?
2: Oh, absolutely fantastic. It's a pleasure to be back with you guys. It's just so exciting to be back on the show. It feels like old times. I really missed recording with you guys. So, fantastic day up in Canada. eh?
0: <laughs> oh, there's the A. There it is. We'll that get one might have been forced. Gratuitous yeah Uh so first of all this is our recap show as we mentioned last week so as usual with everything else we've done all advice rankings and data based on a typical 12 team ppr league you get 10 starters a quarterback two running backs three wide receivers a tight end flex defense and kicker with six bench the ecr comes from fantasy pros and adp from Fantasy Football Calculator In order to go back through the news We invited Jack here to do One of our favorite segments from last season And it is The Hot Take Time Machine
2: I've seen people activate this machine A thousand times That's why I built this time machine McBoing, boing, Glavin fly behind me, be guy My time machine has worked After evaluating millions of pieces of data In these things eye. The Gambletron 2000 as the runner is Cincinnati by 200 points Why you worthless Uncle Jack Hot take time machine Going through our hottest takes of the offseason
0: Alright there you go so Jack take it away
2: Thank you, Steve. It was an absolute pleasure just hopping in the time machine and going back in time and listening to what you guys had to say. It always is. I'm very excited for our midseason show when we get to prove who was right, who was wrong. But for now, it was really nice getting to listen to the Chiefs takes because that was before Damian Williams decided to opt out. And that changed a lot in the fantasy football world, but it really didn't change a whole lot for us. So I assume you both have Mahomes QB2. I doubt a running back opting out really going to impact that, or at least I hope not. But you guys were really upset when ECR and ADP had Clyde Edwards at RB14 back then. He was 18 on the site. Steve, you had him 22. Neil, you had him 25. So you were upset back then. I
1: assume you're thrilled with his new ranking. Uh
0: Steve, yeah, get the totally.
1: get the get the I feel like I'm <laughs> taking crazy pills drop. Just have it ready because we're gonna need it <laughs> for this. Completely
0: prepared? Okay, I got it. Yeah, you're just ready. Just have it. All right. I've got it here. It's waiting for you whenever you need it.
1: Okay, well, let's just open with one right now. Let's just get one preemptively. I feel like I'm taking crazy Pills. Okay.
0: Man, there you go. You feel better? Right.
1: No, no, because th- this is where I'm going to suggest that we, we. I normally wouldn't suggest this, but I'm starting to wonder if maybe there needs to be some sort of like substance abuse intervention program somewhere put in place in the fantasy community in general, because I'm just going to lead with. I'm just not going to. We're not going to the lead. On fantasy football calculator, as of this recording, Clyde edwards alaire C.E.H. to his friends, C.E.H. to his family, C.E.H. to the family to the fantasy community, is going at five, five overall, five. I can't. I can't I even. Crazy pill. I felt
0: can't. like that was a cue. That was a cue, right?
1: It is. It is. Okay. All right. I I can't even. Can someone get me my Ugg boots and my pumpkin spice latte? Get my handlers. I, I, need, I need my Ugg boots and my pumpkin spice latte. I, what is wrong with people? Okay, I'm better. Sorry. I, that's been building for a long time. I had to get, <laughs> to get that um, out.
0: It's funny because really, like Jack mentioned, in the ECR back then – He was RB14. And then when Damian Williams opted out, we basically moved to where ECR and ADP already was. So we knew at that point that we were going to be way low on him still because he's just an unproven commodity. And I talk about this every year. I have no problem with rookies. I buy into the talent of rookies. I cannot, cannot justify using a top End pick using premium draft capital in a fantasy draft on somebody who has never taken a snap in the NFL. And we talked about the intangibles, we talked about the comparables when we were looking at CEH. And the comparison based on his build and skill set is Chase Edmonds. And while we appreciate Chase Edmonds and that he has potential to be a top 10 back if something were to happen to Kenyon Drake. Chase Edmonds is not a guy who historically has shown he can stay on the field on a consistent basis. That is the same build and archetype you are looking at with CEH. The tiny back who, the the last running back, his size, his height that produced and had 200 touches in a season was Maurice Jones-Drew who had a good 40 pounds on him. I mean, he just is not built- to be a every down back. He is a third down back, a scat back, a change of pace back at best, which is why Damian Williams was the primary guy for us all along. And it's why Edwards Hilaire projects so low for us. I mean, I still have him with his 63 targets. I still have him even being the workhorse, quote unquote, of the backfield with 181 rushes. And even with The main touchdowns with seven rushing touchdowns far and away leading the Chiefs with two receiving touchdowns, the receiving yards over seven yards per reception. He projects at RB 17. I mean, to get to where you're taking him now is beyond his ceiling. I I understand drafting for upside, but you have to at least consider the floor. Oh, Absolutely. I and, mean, this is just ridiculous.
2: And the thing about his floor, too, is so Joe Burrow, he threw, what, 60 touchdowns last year at LSU? Clyde mm-hmm. edwards caught one of them. So that's a pretty low floor in a 60-touchdown offense. Yeah,
0: I mean, you talked about that on your show with Jason. If you didn't listen to that, go back and do so. It's, it's an astonishing stat. And, again, I put this in our, our group chat a few weeks ago where we just compared the two of Clyde Edwards Hilaire, his entire three-year collegiate career at LSU compared to just what Jonathan Taylor did last season. And the overwhelming consensus with the blind look at the numbers was, okay, well, given that, I would barely take player A, who was Edwards Hilaire, but it would be very close. And then when you find out that that's his whole career compared to just one of three seasons from Taylor with similar numbers, it's not even a question who should be your dynasty one of one. It's not even a question who has the better projection going forward of this rookie running back class. It's Jonathan Taylor and it's not close. And we're talking about Clyde Edwards Hilaire in the top five overall. I mean, not just running back. We're talking overall in the entire draft. People are taking him ahead of Michael Thomas and Julio Jones and Devontae Adams, and they feel great about it. They're they think they won their draft.
1: And this is and this is. I want to take it back just a little bit because this also I feel like is a function of something that we talked about in May in the preseason at the ranking summit. We talked about it again in the run up to the season when we covered the Chiefs for the AFC West show, we feel, and it's not so much feel as can mathematically prove, that the projection that the industry is using for the Chiefs as a whole is incorrect. More more importantly, the math doesn't even add up. It's not mathematically possible to actually have that projection work that way when, when you try to total it all up at the end, the numbers for the individual contributors don't match the numbers that you would actually have for the Chiefs. So that's a problem. And it's a problem that's never been corrected. And I feel like it feeds into what we're seeing now. Because in order for you to be sitting here telling me that CEH is a top five pick, not as a top five running back, but a top five pick, what you're actually saying to me without saying it is, I co-signed this projection. I am good with this. And in fact, I think it's wrong the other way. I think there's more meat on this bone. There's more rushing. There's more passing touchdowns for CEH than what you guys even feel like is within the realm of possibility. And I'm here to tell you, well, that's scary to me because we've been pounding the table saying, guys, it cannot be this. It is not mathematically possible for it to be this. And the other thing that I find very troubling about this entire line of group think that people seem to be going down is the idea that it also presupposes the idea that Daryl Williams, the other Williams, who is still on this team, was on the team last year, didn't look great, but he's still there. That he's just not a factor at all. Okay, that's troubling because if you follow the beat reporting, they're saying he's the he's the primary backup at this point. Which So in order for C.H. to hit the projection, you guys, the people taking him at five are saying there is no backup. C.H. is the, the one and the only running back for the Chiefs, which we know, as fantasy analysts, is impossible. It's also... Deeply not how they ran that team last year. They were rotating backs through to keep people healthy for the playoffs. Cause we always want to point out with teams like this, with like the chiefs, they don't care about your fantasy season. They're trying to win the super bowl. So they're going to make their team work in the way that is going to benefit them to win playoff games and the super bowl. So the idea that we're going to take our rookie and just run all the tread off the tires off this gentleman, make him do everything for us all season and still I'm gonna, are going to be asking for more of him in the playoffs in the postseason, that doesn't hold water. And then the final point on this is DeAndre Washington is just not being touched in fantasy drafts in a real way. The people just seem to just completely overlook it. You can have DeAndre Washington at the end of any draft that you want to have him in. He's going around like RB50 at the time of this recording. I'm sorry. But did I just hit my head between the end of last year and the start of this year? Because if we go back to the end of 2019, DeAndre Washington was playing meaningful snaps on people's fantasy rosters in the playoffs when he was the primary back for the Raiders after Josh Jacobs. Playoffs? We'll talk about
2: playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs?
0: (laughs) You're welcome.
1: Thank you. And, to me, it just, it's, it's a logical fallacy that people are falling into. This has gone beyond the realm of what we always talk about, shiny new toy syndrome. We're, we're past that. We're into some other new weird, uncharted area of shiny new toy syndrome meets some other type of like lack of math. People, I'm telling you, we talk about this also every year. You cannot win your draft in the first two rounds. However, you can absolutely lose. And this is a great way to go about doing that, in my opinion, is, to, is tying your whole future, the most important part of your team, that top five pick, into CEA. This is just a recipe for sadness and for tears. And unless you're playing in some sort of, some sort of like weird rule, dynasty league that I can't even fathom, and why you'd be listening to this, I don't know. But for redraft purposes, this is a total non-starter. It's a poison pill. Would we all not agree this is a poison pill? You yeah. got to avoid this. Okay. Yeah, com- completely. No, the
2: last time we were taking a, a rookie running back this early, it was Saquon Barkley and they're not comparable at all. So like, this is a hundred percent based on Andy Reid, and this is a hundred percent based. So sorry, 50% based on Andy Reed, 50% based on Patrick Mahomes. 0% well, of his ADP has to do with Clyde Edwards Hilaire as an actual talent. And that's and a problem
0: too. Like we, Neil mentioned the math. So just go, just going back to that, like, All of last season combined, Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy combined had 71 targets. In his career, Mahomes just doesn't check down. And I have him projected at 69 targets for the year. Or I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, 69 targets for the year. And I have him at uh, last year, 58 combined receptions for the two of them. And I have CEH at 49. I have CEH at over 1100 total offensive yards and nine touchdowns. It's not like I'm shortchanging him. It's not like I'm giving him zero production. You realize that last year, LaShawn McCoy, Damian Williams out of the backfield as primary pass catchers, even factoring in Daryl Williams, Uh, Darwin Thompson, Spencer Ware, the entire backfield for the Chiefs last season had 626 receiving yards. The amount of yardage you would have to be giving CEH for him to hit where you're projecting him, it just mathematically does not add up.
2: No, not at all, especially when you consider the fact that he's not that much of a superior talent to Damian Williams. So, like, what are we doing here?
1: whatever it is, it's nothing productive and it's scary. It really scares me. The lack of critical thinking that it seems to be going on here because this has just turned into this, this like pissing contest about who can take CEH higher and then pat themselves on the back on Twitter about how they won their league right there. And I, I'm I'm so lost and confused and upset and annoyed by the fact that I feel like we're going back in time, and we are once again having the Kareem Hunt conversation from a couple years ago when we were also telling you, guys, there's no way that he can return on this based on how the Chiefs deploy at running back, and we were right then. We're going to be right again, and it's just – compare him to the other rookies. I, I personally have Jonathan Taylor at 23 – and I'd have him higher a little bit if Marlon Mack wasn't there. Jonathan Taylor, it cannot be understated, is the greatest running back rookie prospect since Saquon. It is the biggest slam dunk that we've seen since that time. And, and, and people are saying that the only reason that I have him lower than CEH is because Taylor still has to deal with Mack, which is a much more real threat than anything CEH is going to deal with. I will give you that. And I've got DeAndre Swift at 20. But think about what that means. We typically really struggle to have rookies inside the top 20 would you not agree Steve year on year it's yes. really tough for running backs as rookies to, to crack that top 20 the only guy who's really done it is Saquon and Zeke people guys like that it's like these are slam dunks these are things that don't have these horrible markers on them in these convoluted backfields these are guys that are coming you're gonna come gonna come, they're gonna come in and take the job we know this and it's just then it's worth it but this is not that situation and oh, i, I
0: mean, that's the impressed. the only other thing Uh, that I'll mention about this and we'll move on. You bring up Jonathan Taylor, which is good because when we talk about Jonathan Taylor and his prospects in PPR, he gets a lot of the, the Josh Jacobs comparison where he doesn't have the hands. He has hands enough that he will be able to produce in any format you use him in. I have him 22. You have him at 23. He is 21 on our site for, for me. The question, again, is just how involved is Mack, how soon until Jonathan Taylor takes it over. But that offense is going to be fine. They love to run the ball. They force-fed Marlon Mack last year, who was a top 20 back, the games that he played. And they have a much, much better offensive line. So let's say we saw David Montgomery get hurt today. It looks like he's going to be okay. But let's say, as a thought experiment, Marlon Mack goes to the bears or Marlon Mack gets traded to somebody who's running back needy for a low pick from the Colts, because they're just ready to move on. And it's the Jonathan Taylor show. Does Jonathan Taylor become a top five guy? Because that's the logic that is being put out there by the fantasy community right now. And I would think the answer is no, because people just want to love the chiefs and that's just how it is.
1: I'd agree with that. I agree with that. I don't think Jonathan Taylor would crack the top five. I think he would get stuck somewhere around 10, 11, 12. And, 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 and you could actually, I would be more comfortable making the argument that at 12, Jonathan Taylor still had upside. And if you wanted to go that route with no Mac in the equation,
0: I'd be more I'd be comfortable right making that. the argument for Jonathan Taylor is top five, as opposed to CEH, if that was the case.
2: Well, look at the offensive lines. The Colts offensive line is absolutely elite and, like, completely different scenarios. So, yeah, if Jonathan Taylor can get that full workload, then, yeah, absolutely, it's much better case for him to be top five compared to Clyde Edwards. Yeah, and like I said,
0: when you just look at the two of them, just physically comparing them, who do you think is more likely to handle a full workload and last a full season in that position? This is really another case where we're talking similarly about if you want to go on guys who you may be more familiar with You, you know, strictly play redraft. You're not familiar with the rookies. This is a great comparison to say a Nick Chubb versus Austin Eckler because one of these is a wide receiver who's playing running back and is going to get killed if he is the full time guy and the other is a monster who will rush between the tackles and will get you all of the goal line work and can catch the ball when he needs to. And that is the guy I'd much rather have.
1: Yeah,
2: give me all of the Jonathan Taylor, and I'm going to put a bold prediction out for the final eight games. I don't even think it's that bold. It shouldn't be anyways. Or the final eight games, Jonathan Taylor is going to outscore Clyde adams Solaire.
1: Book that right now.
0: I don't even know if you need to put the final eight games on it, but for final eight games, for sure. I think that's a dunk.
1: Yeah, and if you can get that prop bet in Vegas, I would take it right now if they're using fantasy ADPs because you're going to get some really nice odds on that one, not that this is like the normal betting show. But, yeah, if you could do that, go ahead and book it. Speaking that. of which,
0: Vishal put out a fantastic piece a couple weeks ago when he was doing Rookie of the Year for the AFC, and he threw Jonathan Taylor in there. I absolutely love it. It's an insane value if you are a sports better. Jonathan Taylor, take it to the bank. All right, so let's take a break, and we'll be right back. Support for the Important Nonsense podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Hey guys, it's Steve. It's summertime. The temperature is turning up out there, and you know when the heat is turned up, your undercarriage needs to be cleaned up. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. Now when I tell you this is premium, I mean it is premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes, so you can take a longer shave. Take your time. You don't want any accidents down there. And the water-resistant technology allows you to even groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates your grooming area for a closer, more precise trim. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with Quiet Stroke technology. Let's not forget about the charging stand, people. You want to show off that mower loud and proud because... This intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. Look, if you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience this firsthand for yourself. Just head over to Manscaped.com and use promo code Nonsense. That's N-O-N-S-E-N-S-E. You'll get 20% off plus free shipping. One more time, that code is Nonsense at Manscaped.com to get your 20% off and free shipping today.
2: All right, welcome back into the Important Nonsense podcast. So we are doing Hot t- Take Time Machine today. And at the time of your guy's show about the AFC East, Cam Newton had just start- signed with the team, and it was still a little bit of a competition. And rec- more recently, we are talking about platooning the two. That was obviously a lie. To- that there's no way that was ever going to happen. And so since then, Cam Newton has risen from QB 19 in the ACR. We out of QB 10, it's really come a lot closer. But the, what's really changed in the Patriots is the backfield. So Sony Michelle is still out. James White's kind of the guy. It's a kind of a mess back there. Steve, what are your thoughts?
0: For me, whenever we're talking Patriots, the backfield is always a mystery, right? Give me the one thing that over the course of time has never been a mystery and that's James white. And I will take James white to the bank all day, every day, especially because we are talking about PPR and outside of James white. I'm not touching it with a 39 and a half foot pole. That's it. Period. End of story.
1: (laughs) I like it. Well, I'll just say, I also will co-sign the James White thing. I have him at 26 in my rankings. And based on his current ADPs of this recording, you can absolutely have James White for a value. So if you're looking at a, at a Patriots running back on your team, that's that's the one that you want. And that's the, that's the slam dunk. But I do think we'd be doing people a disservice to not at least have a discussion around some of these other guys. So actually, I wanted to talk to Jack because if you're if talking about Patriots things, Jack actually is a really solid resource for that. And he's a really solid resource for most things, but in particular, this specific topic, we're going right into the Jack Cavanaugh wheelhouse. So Jack, I, the way I chose to approach this was I'm big chicken and I don't know what to do anymore. So I hedged it in my most recent rankings update, knocked Rex Burkhead down a little bit, got him at 60. And I basically split the Sony Michelle Damian Harris, Lamar Miller situation into like 60, 70, and 70, roughly, in terms of uh, in terms of ADPs for those guys, because I don't know what to do with any of these guys anymore. So when you get in situations like that, sometimes it's prudent to hedge, especially when a lot of these guys are so close. But what stuck out to me was your love for the man, the myth, the legend, Damian Harris. So I wanted to kick that over to you and see what your inside line on this, on this situation is.
2: Well, for starters, who was the starter at, at Alabama when Josh Jacobs was there? Because it wasn't Josh Jacobs. It was actually Damien Harris. So he's a very talented running back. And when we look at Sony Michelle, he wasn't a starter at Georgia either. He was backing up Nick Chubb and he also was losing to playtime to DeAndre Swift. So the talent is pretty comparable. I would honestly, as a pure talent, I would take Damien Harris over Sonny Michelle. And that's just pure physical on the field ability. And that's without even getting into the injury. So Sonny Michelle, another off season surgery. He had a foot surgery this off season. He's had multiple lower body surgeries. He's at the knee. It, he's completely falling apart. This is dating back to his college days even. And so now he's just starting to practice again, but he still hasn't been given the green light. He's practicing on the field, not practicing with the team. Good chance. He misses week one. Good chance. He misses more than week one. And to Lamar, your point about Lamar Miller. Yeah, it was a nice signing, but he still hasn't practiced with the team. So I don't think there's a lot of value in rostering him because yeah, a moment in time running back, but he still isn't practicing with the team. They signed him because they thought he was healthy. He's not. So how do you, I don't, I don't really understand why, why Lamar Miller is still a thing to clarify
1: was- that point real quick. He did. He was immediately, he was signed and then immediately put on the pup list literally the same day. Yeah. Just to, just to explain that to the listener.
2: Yeah, exactly. And so not a lot of meat on that bone, not a lot of meat on the Sony Michelle bone. And so we see really what you did there. I see what you
1: did. <laughs> I was mean. That was mean to Sony Michelle. <laughs> uh,
2: degenerative knee jokes, but uh, no. So, so Damien Harris though, he is the one collecting all those reps with both those running backs out. And we do know that James White is the guy he is always going to have that role, but the Patriots love employing that multiple backfield. They love having that Sony Michelle guy to get over 200 carries. And that's not just, just not Rex Burkhead. There's no way he's going to do that. He's more of a change of pace, five, six carries a game. So it's really Sony Michelle versus Damian Harris. I don't think Lamar Miller is a factor at all. And when you give it pure talent, Damian Harris wins. And then when you factor in the injuries, Damian Harris wins in a landslide. So that's where I'm sitting at. I currently have Damian Harris's RB 44. I have him ahead of Darrell Henderson and Tony Pollard and just behind Adrian Peterson and Daria Gugawale. Wow. Uh,
1: that is, some of that is shocking. So, and the other thing that I will say, just to, just inform the listener here, folks, if you don't follow beat reporters, do it. Because all and I mean all of the beat reporters who actually cover the Patriots, they're there every day. Every day, I see more articles talking up Damian Harris and not just fluff saying, oh, he looks explosive. Oh, he looks athletic. All that. That's just noise. You can kind of push that to one side in a lot of cases. The thing that I found meaningful from the beat reporting, Jack, you can tell me if I'm crazy, was the idea that with Sony Michelle still nursing the foot and not really being able to practice and Lamar Miller immediately going on the pup, well, Damian Harris was he inherited all of that work. But what the beat reporters are saying is that he didn't just inherit it. He's proving to them every day that he deserves to keep it. And that's why I thought it was interesting because they seem to be talking themselves very loudly every day into the idea that Damian Harris is going to have that Sony Michelle role role from jump. And it's the, they're going so far as to suppose the idea that Sony Michelle, he may get Wally pipped. He may get buried on this weird depth chart. The Patriots always deploy at running back. And I thought that was very interesting because, well, the beat reporters, they're not always right. But in this case, when you get consensus on something like that, I tend to buy into it a little bit more. So are you seeing some of the same stuff from your end? Because I know you've got some connections over in that world. Yeah, absolutely. I'm hearing the exact same thing The every day you're seeing a new report about Damian Harris. And the
2: thing that really stands out to me is he's standing out as a pass catcher in training camp. That's something that Sony Michelle has never done because he just doesn't do it. That's not what the Patriots want him to do. Let's just be and real. He can't. He, he can't. He yeah, can't. exactly. He can't. And so now we are seeing in camp that Damian Harris can give it green assault there. It is camp. It's not live reps, but we are seeing it. that's a promising sign. So, it's really exciting to look at this backfield, see that Damian Harris could be that guy and be a better player with the same amount of touches as Sony Michelle. Absolutely, I'm in on that. So there's two pieces of news you get almost daily from Patriots camp. It's that Damian Harris looks great and Cam Newton looks absolutely amazing. And that's only gonna do good things for that backfield. The more better Cam Newton looks, the healthier he looks, the better this team's going to be, the better this running game's going to be.
1: And that is the other thing that I, to, to that point before we kind of glossed off the cam versus Stidham quote unquote, you know, finger quote competition. And the last reports I saw on that were, I believe last Thursday or Friday, uh, is that Stidham is done. That, that, that that's already over. He's already played himself out of the ability to even be considered for that job. And it's a foregone conclusion that Cam is your guy. And that's just going to be the way that that deploys, which to me is not news as we kind of glanced over. Um, but thank you. I wanted you to share that because you differ strongly in this arena on the, uh, the Harris situation, because a lot of folks, you can go and enjoy Damian Harris in your draft to the tune of something like RB 55, RB 60, depending on your exact league. He's really an afterthought in a lot of these drafts. And if what you're telling the people is that well, you should be just penciling him he in at that Sony Michelle.
0: ADD. Currently going undrafted, by the way.
1: There you go. So if you're talking, if you're saying that he could, you could have him. If you think he's the new Sony Michelle, you could have Damian Harris for literal nothing, and we see people crawl over each other to pick up Sony Michelle as a depth running back uh, in these drafts. So it's a very interesting kind of just juxtaposition. I'm. I it was. I thought it was a conversation worth having. So here's James what might, I would
0: say Dung, about though. the whole thing. So Damian Harris, I agree with you, far more talent than Sony Michelle. That's a low bar. He had to roll over that bar to pass it. So I think I think we all agree on that. My what makes me nervous about it, you can have him for nothing, which is what I love about it. Worth the shot at the end of your draft. Damian Harris, if he got the full Sony Michelle role. So in our projections. Have Sony Michelle for 185 rush attempts, but not involved in the passing game, just 14 targets. So let's say that Damian might be a little Harris, bit much too. Yeah. Let's say Damian Harris gets the full 185 Sony Michelle rushes plus the 34 targets we have on Rex Burkhead, that he just becomes the number two guy to James White, or essentially, I mean, by those touches he would be the number one back on the roster. And James White, because he's not rushing the ball as much, would essentially be the third down back, but that makes him more valuable in PPR. Even with those numbers, Damian Harris would project at about RB 47. So you've got him at 44. I feel like that's pretty strong. Right now, Sony Michelle, I project at 49, given the full workload, if he's the guy. If the roll flips and Harris takes it over, it's certainly worth a stash at the end of your draft. But am I am I giving up a whole lot or expecting a whole lot for Damian Harris? Not really. I think more than anything, this is just a PSA to never, ever, ever draft Sony Michelle. Please stop wasting a pick on Sony Michelle.
1: Please. please. That's really what it is. In a synopsis, James White Yes. And you can have it at a value. Uh, And then it's Damian Harris at the end of your draft. And then the rest of it, frankly, isn't really usable. And that would include Sony Michelle. So I'd say if you're evaluating the Patriots, that's how this show would break it down to you. Does anybody have any pushback on that?
0: No, that sounds right.
2: None whatsoever. So we're going to move on to, I am going to eat some humble pie. I apologize, my friends. I was slanderous this off season. I did not believe Jarvis Landry was going to be healthy to start the year. The timeline of his hip surgery put him out so he could have missed the month of September and maybe even to the month of October. To quote Steve, though, he is a warrior. I was wrong. I had him way down the depth chart. I didn't think he was going to play to start the season. Now he's my wide receiver 26. So I am very sorry, my friends. Bless him, Steve.
0: Bless him. All right, there you go. He's been blessed. It's okay he's he's back on track it's fine now we yes. talked about this i mean look he played through all of last season since week what two or three with that sh- have... shoulder injury and then I he think... got the surgery at the end of the year and he was still crushing it the second half of the year so to say that now he had the surgery he's back he's healthy yeah i mean uh, everybody is hyping up this is you know the resurgent year for obj he's back He's going to dominate. He's got top 12 upside. And it feels like nobody at all is talking about Jarvis Landry. Like he's just not there anymore. I'm absolutely all in on the Jarvis Landry hype train.
1: That's actually a metaphor for Jarvis Landry's entire career. What you just said. Yeah, pretty much. That, That really sums it up is everybody hates Jarvis. They want to pretend like he doesn't exist. And they're wrong every year. And we recommend Jarvis Landry every year. and People mock us. And to, to this, this is my only thought on the real matter. Everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people, a significant amount of people are, to your point, hyping this up as the resurgence for OBJ. And my retort to that really is pretty simple. What evidence do you actually have of that? What, what can you show me mathematically or even narratively, I'll take narratively even at this point, that, that that's actually reasonably certainly going to happen? Because I never get a good answer, I just get some simulacrum of, "Well, oh, Freddie Kitchens is gone," and um, my response to that is, "Oh no, now who will be fat and incompetent?" Like that's 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 really it. So I no, the, the, don't don't sleep on Juice America. Don't sleep on it. He's going to be there for you in that wide receiver twenty-six kind of range. And if you talk to Steve, go up a little bit. Keep oh, inches up. Cause he's going to lead that team in targets again. You can go ahead and book that too. If you're you're, you're calling Vegas, go ahead and book that one. He's going to lead that team in targets and probably lead it in receptions.
2: So yeah. So my argument with Jarvis Landry was always, it wasn't that he wasn't going to be efficient when he came back. I always thought the points per game was going to be fine. I thought he might miss some, a couple of weeks. And that is definitely not going to happen. He is just completely balling out in camp and he is blessing everyone. A player that is a risk to miss some time though, Deontay Johnson. So he's been dealing with a calf in- injury. He's missed about four or five practices now. And his ADP hasn't fallen at all. At the time he was going as the wide receiver 34. Now he's a wide receiver 36. And he might, like, he's a real risk at this point. Steve, are, am I crazy?
0: So it's very interesting because now it's an—it's a unique off season, right? We've talked about it several times. The fact that there's no preseason So without the preseason games, nobody is getting the preseason hype that they normally would. Instead, it's all coming from random clips from training camp that people are just passing around social media to hype players up. And if you go by Twitter, literally every single rookie out there is going to have a top 10 year, which I mean, that sounds like the math of Twitter. Uh, It's it's pretty much on par for everything else. But what blows my mind is of everybody getting hyped up, of all the rookies getting pumped up and saying, oh, they're looking fantastic out there. Oh, this is a guy you definitely want to target. I don't know why you're not going after that guy. Pretty much on a daily basis, to Neil's point, you follow the beat reporters because I've been seeing videos of Ben Roethlisberger throwing passes to Chase Claypool hollering at him, great catch, way to go, what a route, making these jumping grabs when Roethlisberger is completely inaccurate because Rothlisberger Roethlisberger things. But Chase Claypool's out there making plays, and Roethlisberger's building a connection with him and loving what he's seeing from the rookie, and nobody's talking about it. But no, keep drafting Deontay Johnson in the back end of the 30s. You go right ahead and do that all you want. Enjoy, because that that is just going to be, again, to Neil's point, you can't win your league in the draft, but you can lose it at certain points. And wasting picks on players like Deontay Johnson is a great way to do it.
1: Especially when, speaking of beat reporters, you know, the most common thing beyond the Chase Claypool connection, because those videos are very real, also the articles that get picked up, are very real about the developing connection between Chase Claypool and Roethlisberger. The other thing that I'm seeing a lot of is he's actually apparently starting to get a lot more comfortable with James Washington, which was always a a, a problem in the past. He and Washington can never get on the same page. And as we know with Roethlisberger, if he doesn't like you and doesn't trust you, well, he's just not going to throw you the ball. That's it. Like it's that simple. And you can have James Washington for a significant discount over what you can have Deontay Johnson for James Washington also not dealing with a calf injury. And we've seen that movie before. I can understand like people, why people would feel James Washington. Oh my God. How could you go back to that? Well, again, I'm really not. I'm, I'm more just using it as an example of where's my Deontay Johnson hype video from the beat reporters. Where's my, where's any of that not happening? Cause player's well, no, on the sideline. Exactly. Cause he can't get on the field to actually develop any kind of chemistry at this point. And lest we forget he didn't really play with Ben Roethlisberger. He played with Mason. I was going to say something that I'm not going to say. Rudolph. Yeah. Yeah. There's a nickname I have for him. But Just not go
0: with, with Rudolph. Rudolph. Yes. Ma-
1: Mason, the turnover prone reindeer. <laughs> yeah. We'll go with that. Um, the, uh, that's, that's really it. As far as I'm concerned, Deontay Johnson is, cannot possibly be going at 34 when he can't even get on the field to develop the necessary chemistry he would need with the signal caller to actually return investment on that. So help yourself to Chase Claypool, help yourself to James Washington, if that's what you want to do. Help yourself to Juju, but avoid Deontay Johnson like the plague. Well, and fun
2: fact too, uh, you know who was second in fumbles last year among wide receivers? Oh yeah, it was Deontay Johnson. Huh. So he's supposed to be this really reliable receiver. He's got the route running, he's got the hands, but he had three fumbles last season. And now he's being outplayed and outworked in training camp by two players that are honestly better physical specimens than he is. So I really don't know where we're going with Deontay Johnson's any final thoughts on him.
0: Uh, yes. That's stop talking about Deontay Johnson.
2: That's my so final let's talk problem. about players that really uh, matter. Oh, well, you're not going to like this then because we're moving into Devin Singletary. And you guys had a great conversation with him on the last podcast with Aiden. And Aiden made some really good points that he's going to be a low calories between the, from 20 yard line to 20 yard line. He's going to get some carries. He's going to get a couple of receptions, but he's not getting the meat of the end zone carries. He's not getting the receptions either.
1: That's going to be Zach Moss. How do you feel about Zach Moss, Neil? Oh, I mean, Zach Moss is one of the, actual rookies that you should be interested in for fantasy football for redraft purposes, because his ADP hasn't gone completely off the rails at this point. You can actually have Zach Moss in the forties at running back, which is hilarious. Given the idea that again, talking about beat reporters, every report that we get out of camp, Zach Moss looks electric. Zach Moss is catching passes. Zach Moss looks like he's going to be have to carve out a real role in this offense, Zach Moss could do the goal line work. It's nothing but effusive, glowing praise for Zach Moss. And yet you can have him. I have him at RB39 in my most recent rankings update as of Monday. Frankly, you you can get him for significantly cheaper than that. So from my mind, I love Zach Moss. Why would you pay sticker price for Devin Singletary when I could have effectively – the cheaper version of Devin Singletary that is going to ultimately return the exact same investment. No, there's no reason
2: you would do that. Absolutely. No reason.
1: Devin Singletary is a small
2: unathletic and he breaks a lot of tackles, but it's because he's a little jitterbug and he's not fast. He is slower than Zach Moss who has 20 pounds on him. How does that work? So why are we going to give the ball to Devin Singletary? He's a scat back. Who's a worse receiver than, than Zach Moss. And so at the time, Steve, you quote, and I quote, I'm not currently convinced Singletary can keep the job, and he's clearly not able to. These two should be converging in their ADP.
0: Yeah, I mean, as of right now, according to Fantasy Pros, he's going, Zach Moss, that is, running back 43 in the 10th round uh, on Fantasy Football Calculator, which is what we use and changes basically day-to-day. He's going in the 8th at RB40. So, uh, again, he's right in that range. When I look at our projections for the website, uh, we have them pretty much splitting the targets, so splitting receptions, splitting receiving touchdowns, and then Devin Singletary having a significant advantage when it comes to rush attempts, but Zach Moss being the goal back. And with that, we have Zach Moss projected at running back 39, and I'm terrified that we're too low. I mean, I feel like when you just look at him run, when you look at his tape from college, you look at what we've seen from training camp, and you hear the reports coming out about Zach Moss, boy, there is every chance that he just takes this job by week six or seven, and if they run the ball as much as they did last year with Buffalo, Zach Moss has the potential to be a top 20 back, and you can have him for pretty much nothing in the mid rounds, I would absolutely be eyeing Zach Moss. I mean, I f- again I've got him ranked 36, but I feel like I could be too low there. Like the the potential that Zach Moss has is through the roof. Whereas Devin Singletary, I have it RB twenty nine in the projections on my actual rankings. I have Devin Singletary at 30, which is pretty much right in line with it. But again, am I too high there? And it's lower than ADP, and it's lower than consensus, but nothing in his career has shown me so far through the one season that Devin Singletary played last year. Nothing showed me that he was good enough to be an every down back in the NFL. If he was, they wouldn't have drafted Zach Moss, and they wouldn't have relied on Frank Gore so much. So... Uh, there's just nothing about Devin Singletary that jumps off the page to me that says I have to have this, especially for what you'd have to pay to get him.
2: No, why do I want to spend a fifth round pick on Devin Singletary? Why would I want to do that in any world? And one of the reasons we're low on Zach,
0: fifth round picks.
2: <laughs> that I don't, so I'm not going to do that, but thank you for the suggestion. But well, one of the <laughs> throwing it out. One of the reasons we're low on Zach Moss is because we're worried about Josh Allen stealing those goal line carries. And it it is a real threat. However, if Zach Moss is going to lose some of those carries to Josh Allen, Devin Singletary is just not getting any of them because he is 20 pounds lighter than Zach Moss. I don't know. I'm, I'm upset. I'm upset.
0: Well, one of my favorite stats that we've talked about several times with Josh Allen. So I'll bring it up again. Uh, last year, Josh Allen completely propped up by his rushing ability and his rushing touchdowns. Without those rushing touchdowns, he was pretty much hot garbage. So with nine rushing touchdowns, he ended up on a points-per-game basis in you know whatever standard scoring as QB nine if you exclude week 17. With the nine touchdowns, without four touchdowns, he would have been QB 15. And you're saying, well, that's a weird, why cut him in half? Why do you assume that? Because four times last year, four times, they turned and handed the ball to Frank Gore at the one, and he failed to get in the end zone. And on the very next play, Josh Allen scrambled in for a touchdown. That happened on four separate occasions last season and that was four of his nine touchdowns. So if now you're handing the ball off to Zach Moss and he actually scores those touchdowns, not only does it improve Zach Moss's value, but it hurts whatever value you have baked into Josh Allen and his rushing ability.
1: It just makes me chuckle because we have spent most of this show, most of the offseason, most of our time on Twitter talking people off the ledge on a lot of these rookies in terms of you are way overspending on that. And then we get to Zach Moss and I can't, I can't sell this to anybody. Nobody's interested. I can't sell this to anybody in the universe. And it just, it does just make me smile. Cause it's just to your point, 39, 40 running back. And we're sitting here having a legitimate conversation about for, for good reason, especially if he's getting some of those Josh Allen rushing touchdowns, we might be insanely too low. And, and that's, and that's a, it's just an interesting juxtaposition and dichotomy for this season. What a, what a ride 2020 has been so far. Zach Moss, nobody wants it, but CEH can go with five. I, I don't even know what to tell you.
0: <laughs> All right, well, let's take a quick break from that. Let's get mental sanity back. Take a quick break. We'll be right back.
2: All right, thanks for that, Steve. I really needed that break. I just got really upset over that Devin Singletary. So time for you no, to could, get worked up. So.
0: I could sense it in your voice that you were just feeling the effects. It's okay.
2: I needed that break. I did, but now it's time for you to get worked up. So we're going to talk about one of your favorite topics, David Johnson. So he has moved up at the time of your podcast. He was the RB 19 in the ECR. He is now the RB 18 at the time. He was your RB 12, Neil. He was your RB 14. I'm starting to trend in your direction. I've moved him into RB or the third tier of running backs. He's my RB 20, but we're splitting hairs between him, CEH, who we've talked about repeatedly, Aaron Jones, Gurley, Fournette, all those kind of guys were splitting hairs between. So, yeah, David Johnson is a workhorse, and he's really not getting the credit still. What's up with that?
0: Well, first, I love the fact that, remember, when this trade first happened, it was the community's favorite crutch argument of the entire offseason. It's been a recurring theme. Washed. What he's done. Look at him washed. He's so done. And he started off in the ECR back in April, RB 26. And then the draft happened and they didn't replace him at all. And they didn't make any other moves in free agency. And then he moved up to about 23. At the time of our recording, he was right around 20. And now he's up to 18. He just steadily keeps moving up as people start reevaluating the tape and looking at the numbers again and realizing what the Texans have done with a primary workhorse back in the past, it, just, it blows my mind that it's taken this long for people to get on board. But I'm glad they're starting to, to realize the error of their ways, at least.
2: Yeah, and the thing with David Johnson, too, is since people hate him so much, it's really easy to build your fantasy roster around him. You can get him consistently in the fourth round, sometimes even in the fifth. So there's kind of that running back dead zone in this early second, late third. And so at that point, yeah, I'll take some wide receivers. I'll make, might dip my toe into tight end. David Johnson's there just to carry me home. And I absolutely love it. David Johnson in the fourth, Deandre Swift in the fifth. But for some reason people hate David Johnson. He has no competition. Love a running back with real competition. Everyone loves Le'Veon Bell. He has gone up from the ECR, he was 19, now he's RB 17, and they added Frank Gore. Why? Why have they gone up on Le'Veon Bell? Why have they not gone up more on David Johnson?
1: Well, it's because we talked about this offline. It's August, and it's right before draft season. What happens this time of year, every year? This is when the casuals get involved. The casuals start getting in and prepping for their season. The folks that don't follow this year round, they got to get in and they got to prep. What do we know about the casuals, Jack? They love Le'Veon Bell. They never stop loving Le'Veon Bell. So while it is vexing that he would be trending up, I wouldn't be surprised by it because uh, to, to folks that haven't necessarily been paying attention and think that Adam Gase is a good coach and that Le'Veon Bell is going to somehow be the, the guaranteed rip the knob off the lead dog in that running back room consistently for the whole year. That's how it ends up rising And again, some of these same folks to Steve's point about David Johnson, some of these folks are the same people that are pushing the narrative the hardest about DJs washed. The Texans are a bad football team. Bill O'Brien doesn't know what he's doing because they're the casual football fan. They just, they just see the headlines and see the pundits on, you know, football live on, on ESPN and listen to, listen to people like that. Listen to Keyshawn talk about that type of thing. So they don't really take a deep dive into the numbers. So they see Le'Veon Bell. Oh, he was so good for so long get david johnson boo he was hurt and bad And they, that's how i think that's how i rationalize this juxtaposition now they're wrong and for the love of god anyone listening to this show please don't please don't do that please don't take Le'Veon on bell over david johnson you're gonna be so sad by like week five so sad
0: well and to Jack's point too uh i've seen a few people on twitter which again this this goes back to our general philosophy like we love our casual players, the casual fans that join us this time of year. And if this is your first time listening to us this season, that's great. Go back listen to the other content. But if you if again, every year we tell you the same thing, and if this is the first thing you're hearing this year or the only time you're hearing it, you cannot. It's impossible to win your league in the draft, but you can absolutely lose it. You can 100% lose it by making terrible mistakes. And I have seen too many people on Twitter, going out there and saying you have to go running back, running back to start your draft no matter what because there's such a huge cliff at running back that it totally falls off. And if you don't go running back, running back, you're totally done. If I'm in a PPR league and based on PPR ADP right now, if I go wide receiver, wide receiver to start my draft because that's how the board falls to me, because I'm fluid, because I go in ready to adjust to whatever the board does. Guys I can get in the third round are David Johnson, Chris Carson, Todd Gurley, Leonard Fournette, for, again, God knows what reason. I can get Leonard Fournette still in the third round. In the fourth round, Jonathan Taylor, who we've already talked about, David Montgomery, who got a ridiculous amount of volume going into his sophomore season with Chicago, assuming he's healthy still, And then Mark Ingram, who was a top 10 back for most of last year with Baltimore, and people are so scared of J.K. Dobbins that they've completely faded him to the fourth round. So if I go modified 0RB and just go double wide receiver or wide receiver tight end, or if you want Mahomes and he's your guy and you have to have him in the second, there are ways you can adjust, but you have to be fluid. Don't go in with a set strategy of no matter what, it's running back because it falls off. Just, just Please, just be smart about what you're doing in your draft room.
2: Well, and people are accurate when they say running back does fall off, but it falls off after David Johnson in the fourth round. It falls off it after falls DeAndre off Swift after in the fifth 20. round. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Like, it, it objectively falls off pretty hard, but after 20 running backs. Right, and I'd argue Le'Veon Bell at 25 – is part of that cliff where it's falling off because if he's your RB two and you're reaching that high to go and do this to your point, you're passing on all of those lovely receivers, all of those possible, like, you know, highly rated tight ends, the big three and possibly four, if you want to include her, it's in that. You're just going to, you might be skipping on all of that, which could really help you with ROI. If you're saying, Nope, I'm so rigid first, second round running back, running back. You're, you're not going to get maximum ROI out of your team unless the board falls to you in a very specific way. So, no, having that kind of rigid strategy is not a way to have long-term success. And uh, it's a
2: bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them.
0: It won't. Just so you know. <laughs> FYI.
2: It won't. It absolutely won't. So one final recap, we have Le'Veon Bell, who was a workhorse last year. He wasn't particularly successful in his workhorse role. The Jets add Frank Gore, who's going to get 100 carries. The Jets have five new offensive linemen, maybe four, depending on what happens with the right tackle, Chuma Adoga. But that's not a good thing for continuity's sake. So Le'Veon Bell, everything about him is trending down. However, David Johnson, he goes to a new team with a better offense, the best offensive line he's played with in years. And he's going to have a workhorse role because we know how they feel about Duke Johnson And for some reason, we hate them. So I don't get it. Sad news. But we're into some happy news now. And this is the part of the show that I have been waiting for all day. And this is the part where we get to talk about the favorite topic of important nonsense. Our man, our friend, Jonu Smith.
0: Yeah, we've mentioned Jonu Smith not nearly enough. I feel like it's taken way too long to get here. In fact, when I edit, I'm going to go back and throw in a couple random Jonu Smiths just to make sure. They're spliced throughout. Let's put a Johnu Smith promo in here at some point too. Can we get officially sponsored by Jonu Smith at some point? Like I don't even want money. I, I just, if you can just acknowledge importantnonsense.com nonsense.com is the official Jonu Smith fantasy site. I would just take that. That's fine with me. Just if that's what you want to do, Jonu, we love you.
1: We'll take a run at making some I heart Jonu t-shirts. If we can get this all nailed out, we'll get those up on the site and get that, get that link to people, get that going. Haynes beefy tees, too, the good stuff. So, I have a question for you guys. So, over the course of the offseason,
2: you had eight shows, each division you guys ran through. How many times do you think you mentioned Jonu Smith?
0: Not nearly enough.
2: I,
1: that is correct. Not yeah. enough. Take a, take a guess. Fifteen, and it's not enough? No.
0: Like not even close. Times we mentioned him or, like, per show?
1: Or discussed it. Per team. You brought
2: him up for seven di- sorry, six different teams, seven if you include the Tennessee Titans. So it all started oh. <laughs> with the Tennessee Titans. You hadn't mentioned him up until that point. And then we got into the Titans show and you guys got really excited. And Steve, and I quote, send me your screenshot of Jonu Smith and Ryan Tannehill as a stack, and then send me the picture of your fantasy trophy at the end of the season. So high hopes there. And on that stacking feed. Oh
0: that's a spoiler. <laughs> that, that's not even. That's not hope. That's not a prediction. That is a spoiler. Hope was the wrong
2: word. Hope yeah. was the wrong word. Uh-huh. But st- sticking on that idea of stacking, you also want to stack Noah Fant and Jonu Smith. You think it's a great stack. If you can get both of them, one of them is going to break out. Neil, that's what you had to say. And Steve, your point is, yeah. And we know which one's going to break out. It's Jonu Smith. <laughs> Gotta get that Joe New Jersey. So that's time have number two. Time number two, it. you mentioned them.
0: And to your point, Noah Fant still going in the 11th round, Jonu in the 13th. I can still easily own them both Mm -hmm. and just profit and just feel great about it.
1: Solve my tight end troubles for my redraft team at the end of the draft after everybody has spent half the draft beating each other to death for guys like Hayden Hurst and the like and Austin Hooper and all that. Just avoid that whole mess.
2: Yeah, you don't want to look for those guys that you have to pay up for. You want to look for this season's Darren Waller. And to Steve, your point, the only reason Darren Waller won't be this year's Darren Waller is because Jonah Smith is going to be Darren Waller. you got to get that Jonu jersey.
0: Nailed it. Again, that's not a prediction. That is a spoiler.
2: No, and, and, Neil, you did make the point that Darren Waller is Steve's fifth-ranked tight end. Jonah is the seventh. However, completely different ADP. Not comparable whatsoever. No. no. But Steve, you did make the bold call that in 2021, we will be taking Jonu Smith over Darren Waller. Stand by
0: it? 100%.
2: And I'm sure you stand by the fact that we are also taking Jonu Smith over Evan Ingram. Because why do you want to pay for Evan Ingram in the sixth round when you can get Jonu for free? And that's a direct quote.
0: Why would you want Evan Ingram for the three games he plays when you could have Janu for the 16 games he plays and get better production. I mean, it's just it's nonsense.
2: And Neil, you were very kind to the public. You said that, you know, maybe you don't like Jonu Smith. Maybe you're wrong and you don't like him. That's fine. You think we're idiots, but there's a better tight end than Evan Ingram that you can get at the same price tag as Jonu Smith. XO, XO, Jonu Smith. We also talked about Jonu Smith over Hayden Hurst, over Jared Cook, over Tyler Higby. So, yeah, we're taking Jonu Smith over a lot of tight ends. And then there's the guys like Eric Ebron, who we didn't
1: mention Jonu Smith because we
2: just kind of laughed
1: at Eric Ebron
0: for a bit. Rightfully so.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, that's earned at this point. That's earned. That's not, that's not our bias. That's, that's just a fact.
2: No, so it was very enjoyable going back through this, especially with the Jonu Smith. But I do have to say, we do got to talk about Jonu Smith more. At least, we got to average at least three times per show heading forward, I really do believe.
0: All right, What's well, I'll make so a easy. note of that.
1: Yeah. It's just so easy when he's so talented, you know. It's And the value is so extreme. Just move him at running back. He's the same size as Derrick Henry.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. He, he's the – Jonu Smith is the wide receiver, too, on that team. Put it in the oh. bank.
1: 100%. In well, who Ryan, else would it be? Corey Davis? I'm not having that discussion yeah, it, again. <laughs> we had that conversation for too many years. In Ryan
2: Tannehill's 10 starts last year, Corey Davis had more targets than Jonu Smith. Guess who had more receptions? Jonu Smith yes yeah. Corey Davis is bad.
1: yep and that's not a bias either. There's these lovely graphs that fantasy pros have that illustrates how many points and how many opportunities players get and the Corey Davis one is hilarious. If you need to laugh because you've had a bad day, pull that up because it is adorable.
0: Yeah my favorite part of that too is somebody was trying to argue with me that Corey Davis is definitely the wide receiver too or the, the secondary receiver because he had more playoff targets. And it was uh, John who had 10 in the playoffs and Corey Davis had 12 and Corey Davis had eight in the last game in the game against Kansas city when they were getting destroyed in the second half. Sure. Yep. But, but no, go, yeah. no. Corey Davis. He's the go guy for it. Go for it. By all as means. Much as, as much you. as I
1: love John who Steve, I still do miss Delaney Walker. Oh, I miss Oh, him. who doesn't? I miss you. Jack can can you talk to the Patriots and see if uh see if they want to go ahead and pull the trigger on that. I heard they were kicking the tires on that in the background. Can they can they go get him back in the league, please? Get get a real tight end in New England, get Delaney out there.
2: Hey, 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 do not slander Devin Ossi-Ossi. Apparently, he looks absolutely fantastic. But no, I would love to see that Delaney Walker does deserve another shot in the NFL, even though he's All right. Well,
0: a I mean, if we're talking about getting some kind of tight end in the NFL.
2: Go Bears.
0: We all know. We all know where he's going. Just put them out there with Jimmy Graham, just dual tight end sets. Sure.
1: sure. Considering the bears are going to have somebody who should be playing tight end. Cause they have nine tight ends, something like that. Still, well, they thinned it down a little, but it's still, some of these guys are going to end up playing running back. They might have to play linebacker. You know, they're, they're superior athletes though, according to Ryan Pace. So yeah,
0: spread, spread the talent around. Yeah. You know, all right. Well, thank you, Jack. We appreciate you coming on and helping us out with this as usual. Uh, That's wrapping up our off-season breakdowns. Next week, we are going to try to put together a mock draft for you people so uh, you can watch us be fools and talk about players and and see us battle for who can take Jonu Smith earliest. So, uh, yeah, that'll be fun.
1: Jonu Smith at five overall.
0: Yep. Makes as much uh, sense
1: as what's currently going at five overall. Sure, and
0: one of us will take Minshew in the first round to get that Bud Light contest. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we'll have that. Got to get a $20 gift card from Bud Light and draft Gardner Minshew in the first round.
2: Yeah,
1: because that's uh, not going to be a mistake at all. No, no, no. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Also, the $20 gift card from Bud Light is such a hilarious prize (laughs) to give away for something like this.
0: I thought my prize was a case of Bud Light. $20 gift card. I can buy like four cases of Bud Light. Great, thanks. (laughs) mostly water yeah jack where can uh where can the people find you on socials
2: uh you can find me over at job 87 on both twitter and instagram thanks for having me on today boys it was very very pleasant experience and make sure you guys check out nectar tomorrow's episode we are going to have mr knee wallace bruce and dr dynasty john chancy back and make sure you follow along with us all season long jason
1: draven and i will be recording next week prepping you for the next season Wonderful wonderful. Wallace, Bruce, Jack Kavanaugh, John Chansey show is the smartest fantasy football show currently going on the internet. Fight me, fight me. (laughs) No, nobody wants
0: to fight you. All right. But in case they do want to fight you, where can they find you on the socials? Neil?
1: You can find me at nonsense underneath nonsense, underscore Neil on the fantasy life app. And also on Twitter, feel free to fight me. there. still waiting for some takers on that bridge. And, uh, check out tomorrow's update. We're going to have the August update myself and Wes Smith, no relation of the redraft trade tables, the August update, get all your preseason trade values in one handy to use table.
0: Oh, fantastic. Well, uh, you can follow the site on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at nonsenseff. You can follow us in the important nonsense community page on the fantasy life app. Make sure you're subscribing wherever you listen, leave us a five-star review. You can follow me everywhere. At nonsense underscore Steve. And of course, until next week, make sure you keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee rosevere I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz. And you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!